you are listening to a special bonus episode of Cathedral Chronicles. In this episode, the local historian Anthony Russell will explore the 150-year story of the Dominicans in Newry, from humble beginnings with a community of just five men living in a small house on Hyde Market to the building of the magnificent Church of the Sacred Heart at St Catherine of Siena in the 19th century. We learn how, in the 20th century, the Dominicans adapted to the reforms of the Second Vatican Council and how they reached out to other denominations. And we'll hear how, more recently, they established a new Lectio Centre and how they dealt with the challenges of the pandemic. In the 1870s, after the faltering 50s, when trade on the Inland Canal had drastically declined, Newry was a town on the rise. In 1866, the Dublin builder referred to Newry picking itself up in a manner few could have anticipated 10 years ago. The value of property was magnified to an extent almost unprecedented in a country town. The reason for this prosperity was the erection of linen mills to the west of the town, mainly in Ballybot. The railways, the Albert Basin, the 1850 Ship Canal and the linen mills were ensuring the survival of Newry in the age of steam. The Woods Almanac of 1868 commented upon a new spirit of optimism in the town. Without any charge of egotism, the people of Newry may take a large share of credit to themselves for the general improvement occurring in the town. Along and around Queen Street, now Dominic Street, and Bridge Street, Small mill houses were being squeezed in beside the larger residences of mill owners and the better off. Other streets, like Thomas Street, were built to house mill workers, dockers and sailors. In Ballybot, there was social mixing, with the many poor sharing the main streets with the few rich. Not so along the Downshire Road to the east of the town, where in 1844 the Marquis of Downshire built a low-density garden suburb for the gentry, clergy and business people. Thus, in May 1870, when the congregation filed into Newry Cathedral to hear four Dominican priests give a mission and chant Parse Domini, the town was prospering and expanding from 12,000 in 1846 to over 15,000 in 1881. The Dominicans so impressed the congregation that a deputation asked Bishop Leahy to invite the order to Newry. With a rising, mainly Catholic population, there was a need and the bishop, a Dominican himself, thrice lobbied, agreed. The deputation promised Dr. Leahy that the people of Newry would support the friars. They would not be a burden on the parish. This was to be the case over the next 150 years. Not surprising, since the order of the preachers always depended for sustenance on the goodwill of its listeners. On the 7th of March 1871, four Dominicans, three priests and a lay brother, arrived in Hyde Market, St. Coldman's Park, to a house prepared for their comfort by the administrator, Father O'Hagan. Mr. John Quinn, a hardware merchant from Market Street, provided good quality cutlery and some ladies provided clandestine charity. But much more has passed unnoticed. The silent ministry of charity, which no monument could record, written by angels' hands in the great record, when the good ladies of Newry came in the dusk of the evening to the father's residence in Hyde Market, and in covered baskets into which the prying eyes could not gaze, brought the necessities of life for the fathers whom they began to revere. The Dominican friars were then and are now the only ones in Ulster. When after three months they moved to the Hermitage Priory House on Upper Chapel Street, opposite the old chapel, the good ladies of Newry continued to support the friars. Further support came from Father C. H. Conlon preaching a charity sermon for repairs to the house and the chapel. The Dominicans were well liked 
and successful in their ministry. With the town continuing to expand, the need for a new church and priory increased. But where should they build it? Some concern for the welfare of the Dominicans suggested they should move to the fashionable locality to the north of the town. The Downshire Road was deemed preferable to Ballybot, as only the poor lived there. This was not entirely true, but because of industrialisation, the West Ward was the most populous part of the town, with the greatest need for pastoral care. The Dominicans made plans to be with the poor. Again, not surprising, since the mendicant orders historically sought to engage with the world and its paupers, to preach and to teach. For example, Carlingford's Dominican Abbey, 1304, was sited just outside the densely packed medieval town. In contrast, the Cistercians, Charter 1157, had come to the banks of the Clan Rye, seeking self-sufficient solitude, seeking to pray and toil, seeking to turn their backs on the world. In 1875, through the kindness of John Quinn, who owned a quarry field at Bollybot, the Dominicans moved to numbers 35 and 37 Queen Street, the Lectio Centre in Dominic Street. The quarry face is to be seen outside the church behind the high altar. The lease on the quarry field was 999 years at a rent of £20 per annum. The foundation stone was laid on the 23rd of May, 1873. The church's exterior is built of nearly granite with dressings of Dungannon stone. A good example being the image of a dog surrounded by the rosary above the main door. Traditionally, the Dominicans were known as Domini Canes, the dogs of our Lord, because Dominic's mother, Joan, had a dream where a white dog leapt from her womb, holding a torch and setting the world on fire. It is said St. Dominic received the rosary from Our Lady. Alas, the the Dungannon sandstone is not as durable as the granite, and there are signs of differential weathering around the church, especially evident in the carved figures. Inside the church, the columns of Aberdeen granite have a Sicilian marble base and are capped with Dungannon sandstone. The internal Gothic arches in the nave are made of Bath limestone. On the 17th of October 1875, the church was dedicated by Dr. Leahy, the Dominican bishop who had invited the order to the town. The Dominican church is dedicated to the Sacred Heart in St. Catherine of Siena, who in a vision received the Sacred Heart. They are remembered with statues on either side of the high altar. Bishop Leahy dedicated the nave and the aisles. The tower and the spire were not completed until June 1884, when a large cross was placed on top of the spire by Father Cranfield in stool and surplus, obviously a man with a head for heights. The architect was George Ashland, 1837-1921, from Cork. The Archiseek website highlighted another Cork connection. The cost of the building up to the dry course level was the gift of a Cork benefactor, the Haggerty family. The Dominicans Provincial Father Conway celebrated High Mass and Dr. O'Carroll, O.P., coadjutor Bishop of Trinidad, preached the evening sermon. The morning sermon was preached by Dr. Crook, Archbishop of Castle, an ardent nationalist whose name is commemorated in Crook Park. He was a young Irelander with Drummolane's infamous John Mitchell, a land leaguer with Monaghan's Gavin Duffy and a home ruler with Parnell, before Kitty O'Shea. Just as the people of Newry had come forward to support the building, so also they contributed to servicing the debt and finishing and fitting out St Catharines. From 1877 to 1884, a group of gentlemen undertook district collections across the town to help reduce the debt. Mr Henry McCrink from Drummond Tea, whose family were undertakers on Merchant's Quay, installed the seating. 
1878, Miss Rose Connor donated £300 for an altar to St. Joseph, designed by Mercer's Ashland. It was beautifully executed by Mercer's Pierce from Great Brunswick Street, Dublin. James Pierce was Patrick Pierce's father. In 1880, John Quinn again dug deep into his pockets and provided funds for Our Lady of the Rosary altar. He would later quench the prayer's insatiable thirst for an organ. It cost £800 from Conacher of Leeds. He also provided the stained glass in the semicircular asp and over both side altars. A bequest from a local businessman provided the money for the convent or priory, and the foundation stone for this was laid on the 14th of May, 1881. When the will was challenged, a five-day bazaar in April 82 raised £2,300, and the building was, was completed. Railings made by the Patterson family, blacksmiths on Castle Street, were added to the front of the church. In 1883, the Sicilian marble pulpit was provided by Pat MacDonald's life savings in memory of his wife. The original plans appear to show it on the north side. It was built on the south side. It now stands on the sanctuary with its base incorporated into the post-Vatican II altar. In 1879, members of the Holy Name Sodality had been keeping a Holy Thursday night watch at the sepulchre, a practice that ended with the military curfews in the next century. More tangibly, in 1886, the Beheta at the door of the Northern Isle was installed. In 1887, high up on either side of the nave, carved Dominican saints were added. In 1895, in memory of their generous brother, the Quinn sisters replaced the temporary high altar at a cost of £1,240. By December 1899, the Dominicans in Uri were debt-free. The town had kept its 1821 promise made to Bishop Leahy. £20,000 had been raised, mainly through the generosity of the people of Newry. On the 4th of August 1906, with the building complete, the Church of the Sacred Heart in St Catherine was consecrated by Dr Henry O'Neill, the Bishop of Dromore. To mark the occasion, the Quinn sisters cancelled the £20 annual lease and provided the garden in front of the church, complete with its railings. A plaque on the statue of St Catherine in the garden commemorates the gift and the consecration of the church. A condition of this gift was that no building would ever be erected there. The garden would be maintained for several years by the dockers of Newry. With the return of cotton to the world market in the years after the defeat of John Mitchell's slave-owning confederacy, Newry's linen mills went into a slow, painful decline. In small houses, lit by flickering gas, heated by a coal fire and with an outside toilet, Ballybot families took solace each evening in the rosary. Work in the docks was on an insecure daily basis. Under strict conditions, with small wages and long hours, the mills, including Richardson's and Bessbrook, employed mainly women. Our mill workers, heading for Bessbrook, would begin the day at 7am mass in St Catharines. Work on the ships was dangerous, and many families were bereaved when the little steamers failed to return to the Albert Basin. According to the maritime historian Sean Patterson, between 1902 and 1910, six relatively new steamers foundered. The pastoral support of the Dominican friars was needed, and they, in their white habits and black cloaks, were a constant sight on the streets, bringing solace to the poor, the ill, the dying and the bereaved. Such was the bond between the people and the friars that the Catholic residents of Ballybot were known as the Dominican Catholics. Acts of individual kindness have been a constant in the story of St Catharines. For example, Miss Mary Barry, a shopkeeper in King Street, or Francis Street, donated the Stations of the Cross. The Quinn family's giving continued, and the mosaics by Oppenheimer 
that cover the chancel and the side chapels were completed in time for the Golden Jubilee. Before the Golden Jubilee, the Dominican bore witness to the First World War, the 1916 Rising and the War of Independence. Redmond's national volunteers went off to war and some did not return. The war meant a temporary prosperity for the mills. It also meant St Catherine's suffered from soaring prices and it was the weekly pennies from the mill workers that came to the assistance of the fathers. The only Nury man to have fought in the GPO in 1916 was Patrick Rankin, a Dominican Catholic from Queen Street. He cycled to join Pierce, arriving on the Wednesday of Easter week, armed with loaves of bread. During the War of Independence, the Dominican was more directly involved in the conflict. On the night of the 11th to the 12th of May 1919, a large force of IRA men raided Ballyedmond Castle. They were looking for guns from the 1914 UVF gun running. They included a contingent from Newry, and the Irish military archives linked St Catharines to the raid. Patrick Rankin wrote, Our men were not idle. They went to the, to the Dominican Church Queen Street for confession on Saturday night, and it was a great and edifying sight to see so many make their peace with God. On this occasion, confession was not necessary, as all the raiders returned home by 5 a.m. Less fortunate was Head Constable Kearney, who, at 8.15pm on Bloody Sunday, the 21st of November 1920, was shot after attending devotions in the Dominican. He died from his wounds. After hearing the shots, one member of the IRA party met a common Naban girl in Needham Street, Patrick Street, and gave her his revolver. She secreted it upon her person. The couple later married. Uh, occurring three years after the 1925 Golden Jubilee, the 1928 fundraising bazaar was a bizarre bazaar. The magazine included some humorous thoughts. The bazaar was a time of lawlessness where the purchasers were the usual cheap crowd. Avoid the women's bazaar and just let them fight it out as they glory in hating one another for the sake of the bazaar. Many are called and fewer workers. Despite this light-hearted cynicism, the Jubilee and Late Bazaar were a success, with over 200 people giving of their time and effort. During World War II, American accents were heard in St. Catharines. Military police were stationed in Bridge Street as they prepared for D-Day. The railings all along Queen Street were removed by the Patterson family, who had made the original railings for St. Catharines. Those in High Walk were not replaced after the war. Something that did return to Queen Street was the large cross that now stands at the back of the Dockers Garden. Local historian Eamon McAteer recorded that it was the one that used to stand on the top of the spire. It later fell down and was replaced by the weathercock. Initially the cross was removed to Jack McCullough's yard at the north of Merchant's Quay. Jack was a Presbyterian who was friendly with Eamon. Between the two of them, and with the help of a truck from the coal merchants, Muran Dunwoody, the cross was returned to the Dominican sometime in the 1950s. Also in the 1950s, the street names around the church were changed. Queen Street became Dominic Street, King Street became Francis Street, and Needham Street became Patrick Street. Other additions were the, st were the statue of Our Lady of Fatima in 1848 and the shrines at St Martin de Porres in 1963, following his canonisation in 1962. Brother James Phillips, a lay brother at the time, a kind and humble man with an inner serenity, was very much in the spirit of St Martin de Porres. St Martin's statue, looking meekly into the nave, has long heard the pleas and thanks of thousands of Dominican Catholics. His annual novena is a major occasion in the prayerful life of the Catholics of Ballybot.
The 1960s saw the Dominican's flock expanding with the building of Barcroft Park behind St Catharines. It was a response to a damning sanitary officer report about multiple occupancy in the houses of Ballybot. The 1970s brought the worst of the troubles. On the 15th of May 1974, Martin McAlinden, an ex-altar boy, and member of the official IRA was controversially shot dead in Ballyholland by the British Army. Throughout the Troubles, Dominicans were involved in helping people and in delicate negotiations with combatants, official and unofficial. However, one event the Troubles could not stop was Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve. It remained packed to overflowing, and those who exited Feely Larkin's pub late had to participate on the steps outside. Other churches in the town moved the Christmas vigil to 9pm with the result that the phone in the Priory would ring with the question, what time is midnight mass at? Another feature of Christmas much loved by the people of Newry is the Dominican crib, famous since 1878. The nativity scene that older people remember with nostalgia is Father Stephen Murphy's crib. They recall the two rotating swans and the nodding donkey. The three wise men brought incense and balming oil and gold for the baby Jesus. Father Murphy's crib was just as likely to have a chocolate Santa riding around on an unseen electric train set. Father Murphy was no stranger to unusual transport. He came home from Trinidad in a banana boat. Perhaps what thrilled the congregation most on Christmas Eve was and is the senior choir singing O Holy Night, sufficient to melt the most agnostic heart. The choir began in August 1875 in preparation for the dedication in the parlour of Mr Lupton, the mill owners in Queen Street. Dominic Street. Previously, it was the boyhood residence of Charles Russell, Baron Russell, who defended Parnell, who in 1894 became the first Catholic Lord Chief Justice of England since the Reformation. His sisters were high achieving sisters of mercy in Newry and San Francisco. His younger brother was a Jesuit and editor of the literary journal, the Irish Monthly. The 1970s saw the redevelopment of Thomas Street, Poole Lane and Dominic Street with Cleary Crescent, where Lupton's mill stood, being called after Father Cleary, a former prior and renowned preacher. As the millennium approached, public investment in housing and infrastructure, the rise of retail and the development of locally inspired industry, like Norbrook, saw unemployment in the town fall and prosperity rise. Ballybot too benefited. Urban change was matched by liturgical flux. Altar boys no longer had to learn Latin. The congregation responded in English, and a temporary wooden altar faced the people. There were lay readers. The confession boxes were redesigned, and the troubled sinner in light could chat with a sympathetic confessor. The friar in white habit and black cloak or clerical suit became a less common sight. The Dominican priests looked more like the people they served. With the altar rails removed, Mass is now celebrated on a new marble altar facing the congregation. Other major changes were that St Catharines could host baptisms, weddings and funerals. The kindness and piety of the Dominicans, priests and their brothers, many returning from missions, inspired local boys to join the order. 22 priests and, th and three lay brothers. The last was Father David Rock's OP in July 2010. On either side of the millennium, four priors were newly men, Norbert Barry, John O'Rourke, Raymond Collins and Gerard Fern. The son of a local sea captain, Father Barry, who lived until he was 95, celebrated his first Mass in, in St Catharines on the 21st of December 1924. He was a small, thin man with the voice of a preacher. During the Troubles, the funeral bell did not toll as often as it might have because of the brave, unseen work of John O'Rourke, who served a record three times as prior. Raymond Collins was a kind, gentle man raised in the shadow of the spire. 
At a time when, other, when another local priest brought misery to many and shame to the town, Father Gerard Fern's intellect cut to the message of Jesus, attacked clericalism and engaged with disaffected youth. Father Fern was a man for changing times. Changing times have witnessed the Dominicans reach out to other faiths. When 28 years ago, the prior, Father Ben Hegarty, invited the Presbyterian minister, the Reverend Colin McClure, to come to the Dominican Hall. It was seminal. It was the start of a ruling group of about 50 people who, under the guidance of the Irish School of Ecumenics, met with other groups north and south of the border. Father Raymond Fusmoris OP was joint coordinator until the sudden death in January 1999. The group was part of the formation of the Interchurch Forum. Changing times have witnessed the decline of the male confraternity of the Holy Name and the female confraternity of the Holy Rosary. The Holy Name Sodality was formed in November 1878. Its members, enthusiastic fundraisers, were councillors of the Dominican community, collectors and stewards. In the 1960s, they met after Sunday evening devotions. Formed on the 29th of January 1877, the Rosary Confraternity met after devotions on Wednesday night. Addictive TV series, the banning of the segregation of the sexes, the changing roles of women and the decline in reciting the family rosary meant that the female confraternity, the oldest society associated with St Catherine's, has ceased to exist. Likewise, the chapter of the Third Order of St Dominic, mentioned in the 1928 Jubilee magazine, no longer exists. Changing times have witnessed the transformation of the angelic warfare sodality, that is the altar boys which was formed in the Old Chapel in 1871. In the 1960s, when Father Pat Tumblety O.P. was the head altar boy, there was a waiting list to get on the altar. A major reason for this was the walks and trips organised by Father Stephen Murphy, a kindly, knowledgeable naturalist. Today, with much smaller numbers, the altar boy is more likely to be an altar girl. Changing times have witnessed continuity. On Sundays, the junior choir, singing at 11am Mass, and the senior choir singing at the 12.15 Mass both continue to add great value to worship in St Catharines. Changing times have witnessed new societies come to life for the children, the Cygnus, Brigini and Guides and the children's liturgy. For adults, the Lectio Divina. It was formed by Father Joseph Ralph in 2011 to engage in sacred reading. Small communities reading, meditating and praying the scriptures in a way that nourishes encounter with the presence and the work of God going on today in personal, family, social and political life. On the 8th of August 2016, to mark the 800th anniversary of the founding of the Dominican Order, the Lectio Divina Centre opened in the Old Priory, numbers 35 and 37 Dominic Street. Here, many small communities, reading to encounter the presence, the presence of God in the past and today, meet for 20 weeks of the church year. As with other Dominican initiatives over 150 years, the Lectio Divina Centre was made possible by donations from the people of Newry. Alas, COVID-19, the awful virus, did what war and depressions could not do. In the spring of 2020, it closed the doors of St Catharines to the people of Ballybot. But one thing it did not do was stop Midnight Mass at midnight on Christmas Eve. A smaller, pre-booked, socially distant congregation was able to attend. Although the congregation was numerically small, the audience was geographically huge as Midnight Mass was streamed worldwide. The internet has not only allowed people in America, Australia and the Middle East and elsewhere to join in every service from St Catharines, it has enabled the sick and housebound in Ballybot to 
be part of their beloved Dominican community. In January 1999, the ecumenical scholar Father Redmond Fitzmaurice was the first Dominican to be laid to rest in the garden on the hill above the town. Up until then, the Dominican priests and brothers were buried in St Mary's Cemetery on the Old Warren Point Road. Over 150 years, the Dominican priest and brother has been a constant on the streets of Newry, and especially in Ballybot, visiting the sick, the lonely and the hurt. Their church has always been a place of solace. Today is a place of joy as couples get married and children are presented to be baptised. St Catherine's is a place for the grieving as family and friends say goodbye to those they have loved. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter what your origins, St Catherine's welcomes you. It is a broad church. This episode was written and presented by Anthony Russell and it was produced by me, Mark Byrne. Original music was composed and performed for the series by Kevin Canavan. Thanks for listening.